0: And welcome back to the Filipino American Woman Project. I am your founder, producer, and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have with me Panay, blogger, and podcaster, my fellow co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. (laughs) I like that you're including all of that in the intros now. Yeah. yeah. Well, until we do. And and hello. (laughs) Hello, Nani. Yeah. And until, I mean, since we did it on our last conversation with the girls or with the ladies, I was like, you know what? Let's just do that. Like, because I haven't done like an official intro thing yet for the season. So I was like, let's just, let's just throw it in there. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. And to our listeners, if this conversation resonates with you in any way, just know that you can shoot us a text message. Our phone number is 415-484-8329. Again, that's 415-484-8329. And. Of course if you want to check out um, anything about us or you want to get a hold of us or even our guest today you could check out the show notes of this episode or check out our website tifaproject.com which is spelled t-f-a-w as in the filipino-american woman you should know that by now and if not you're probably new so i'll give you some grace project.com tifaproject.com and of course nani real briefly tell us about the newsletter and why people should sign up if they haven't already Yes. Sign up for the newsletter
1: for all things Tifa. We used to post on Instagram a lot and just repost a lot of your guys's resources or projects or events that you're hosting or working on news and politics messages from us. We call them love letters, things to donate to good causes. You know, what else do we put in there? media that we're featured in outside of the podcast, if you want more info on either Jen or myself. So we just have a whole wealth of information over there that we used to similarly post on Instagram, but are not currently anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite things about the newsletter, Nani, is your opening message. I feel like you speak with a lot of compassion to what's going on in current events and in the cultural, economic, political landscape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's just nice like, to kind of sense like how people are feeling and just being able to validate them and say like, you know, what you're going through is okay. Like we're all going through it. And remember, it's all about community. It's all about trying to focus on uniting and being together and helping one another. And so I just love that because I think that's pretty much what our show embodies is about, you know, finding common ground in conversation. And I feel like you really exude that through our newsletter. So, you know, I have to give you a pat on the back for that.
1: Thank you. Yes, I do try to speak to you know my opening messages. I like to keep them relevant to what's going on in the world, or what I'm seeing people post about, or feeling really charged with on social media, or wherever else that you guys reach out to us. Whether that's privately via text message, which you can do in case you didn't know, or whether you guys email us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I like to speak specifically to how I feel like the community is feeling in that given moment. So mm-hmm. that is kind of a little bit of background on how I compose those messages.
0: Yeah. You kind of provide that like motherly feel via <laughs> newsletter. Um, oh, I don't you. know what I, I don't know what I exude via podcasting, but I definitely know that you exude that motherly. <laughs>
1: your You're a very so. like big sister vibes. I feel like.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. There you go. At thank least for me. For <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, Nani, as always, every week we have an incredible guest that joins us on our show, which I'm really, really excited about. So let me go ahead and bring on Marikit Fernando. Marikit Fernando is a dancer, performer and author, and we have a lot of exciting things for her to share today. She just published one of her books actually, so we'll get into that in a little bit, but Marikit, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and start off with you sharing with us, how did you hear about our project and more importantly, what compelled you to join us today?
2: I somehow came across the podcast on Instagram. I just really stumbled upon it. And I just started listening and right away I felt such a connection to the guests and to both you, Jen and Nani, and I felt really touched and comforted like I was part of a community. So after the first couple of episodes that I listened to, I already imagined in my mind like, oh, maybe one day I could be on there, not knowing like how or when or why. And so when I published my book recently, I knew it was the right time to reach out because we would have a lot to talk about, not only about the work that I do, but about my experience as a Filipino American woman.
0: I love that. And we're very excited to have you here. Do you recall maybe the first episode that stood out to you that kind of made you want to keep listening to the next one, then the next one, then the next one?
2: I don't remember what I listened to early on, but I do remember the episode that I listened to where I actually reached out to a guest personally. It was M. Josephine. Mm. She comes from a similar ethnic background that I do, and she's also in the arts. She's in music. Mm -hmm. So I remember reaching out to her and I just felt that was so special that I felt comfortable enough to reach out to this woman that I heard heard on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And we chatted. I also reached out to Roanne. She's a psychiatrist yep. or psychologist. Uh-huh. I've reached out to her, too. I maybe like spilled my guts a little bit to her. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> again, I'm sure because, she's used to that. <laughs> yes, I really did. Because again, I felt that connection. And so it's just such an honor to just share my story and to be here. Oh, I love that. That is like such a gem. I mean, for me as
1: a a co host to know that we actually do, you know, listeners do connect, or reach out to the guests that we've had on the show. Because while of course, we want you guys to reach out to us and let us know your feedback and how you feel about the content that we're pushing out really the goal is to connect all of you guys and to create this community. So I love that just like warms my heart so much to hear that you did that and you made those connections with them.
0: Yes. Yeah. I know like throughout the episodes, really in the recent, in the, I would say like in season two, Nani, we've had more people come onto our show that came on after they listened to the show or after they've connected with a couple of people. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really, like you said, it warms my heart too, to know like, wow, we're doing something good in a way where our listeners not just feel comfortable, like reaching out, to people who've been on our show as if like they've already known them, but even wanting to come on the show. And so, you know, Marikit, it's great to have you like well after you've already sort of like integrated yourself into our community.
2: Yeah. I love the connection. I, I think that's
0: the best part for sure. Mm-hmm. for sure so with our show Marikit, you know we're called the filipino american woman project for a reason because we primarily focus on um, individuals who live in america or have lived that are of filipino descent and identify as female now of course that definition has expanded and we are not exclusive to just having those type of people we've definitely had the non-binary narrative been on our show as well and in one of our upcoming projects that i will not truly like overly reveal just yet we are actually looking to diversify the voices that we bring onto our show. So stay tuned for that, everyone. In the meantime, Marikit, why don't you share with us a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman? Sure. So my
2: Lola was born in Manila, but his parents were from La Union. My Lola was from Agusan, Mindanao, and she grew up in Santiago. And my mom was born in Butuan, Mindanao, but grew up in Quezon City. Mm -hmm. And my dad is from a town called Santa Margarita in Sicily. And I'm from Queens. So Mm -hmm. all that to say that I'm from Queens. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's, um, yeah, so I do come from a mixed background. I was born and raised in Queens. Mm -hmm. And I've always heavily identified with my Filipino heritage because my mom is so incredibly patriotic. Mm. And she took my sister and I to the Philippines when we were really young. I was four the first time I visited. And I really think that instilled such a deep connection to the country and to the culture. So I'm really grateful for that. And also my mom spoke to my sister and I exclusively in Tagalog, and she wow. was she was strict. So when we answered back in English, she would be like, "Ano?" you know, she would be like, what, what are you saying? You know, and we didn't become fluent, but we can understand and we can speak in a conversational way. And I think that what my mom did was really amazing because she was basically our only source for Filipino culture. My neighborhood was white. My relatives live far away. And so she was just, yeah, our source for, for everything. And that's why I've always felt very close to my Filipino heritage. And of course my name, Mm. I, I can't go anywhere without people asking, Oh, what kind of name is that? (laughs) Where are you from? Mm. You know, and Filipinos right away, they get it. They're like, Oh, Mariquete. Mm -hmm. Oh, you must be Filipino. I mean, it's something that
0: I take with me everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Can you elaborate more when you said that your mom is very patriotic? What did it mean for her to be patriotic? Was it about preserving the heritage or was it more of like an American patriotism? I'm just curious more about what you mean by that.
2: Yeah. I mean, she loves being an American, but I was referring to being patriotic about the Philippines Mm. because she really was determined to preserve the language. And my dad was also very supportive of that, which I think was really helpful. Yeah, preserving the language. And we would just watch movies together in Tagalog. We went to the Philippines a couple of times together. I was involved in Filipino folk dance. Mm. Like my parents were just really interested in always keeping my sister and I in the community in some way. And yeah, something that is kind of funny when we were growing up, this is just a visual idea of how patriotic my mom was. We had like a hallway between the living room and the kitchen. And the entire hallway was this giant straw mat of the Philippines. Like if you can imagine how how big that could be to take up the whole hallway. So it was I always just knew like, yeah, being Filipino is just something to be proud of.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. Those roots are strong. And I feel like it only takes having, you know, I come from a mixed family as well, biracial family. And I think it only takes one like really strong matriarch in the family to instill that pride in you. And, you know, that's something that you carry with you forever. But I also love how like encouraging and supportive your dad was of also instilling that culture in you. And, you know, you mentioned in the Google form that you filled out that he even picked out your name. And so you actually yes. have him to think for that.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, so it sounds like you had a lot of just pride and just been able to celebrate that like within your family and I would say your immediate community. Have you ever, let's say, come across like other Filipinos where you sort of felt maybe challenged to be Filipino? Like if you know what I'm trying to say on that, like it seems like you were able to have that, you know, safe space growing up, but maybe stepping out of that safe space and maybe engaging with other Filipinos. Have you ever kind of experienced maybe some kind of clash or misunderstanding with them?
2: I mean, as a mixed race person, I have experienced a lot of invalidation because of my mixed identity. As far as the Filipino community is concerned, I've never had like any sort of fight or argument or anything like that. It was more that I had an awareness that I stuck out like a sore thumb mm. in the spaces that I was in. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And yeah, I think it was really more my own awareness and just the little comments. Like there's always those comments of uh, you don't look Filipino, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I really dislike those comments. And I think that they're very invalidating, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I mean, I'm very ambiguous, so I really, you know, I'm very self aware as well. Yeah. Yeah. Having
1: the being able to speak the language, though, I feel like also can be used as like a tool against that. If anyone does try to question you, you know, (laughs) if you tell them that you're Filipino or they ask what you are, you have your name to prove it. You know, in terms of like I've experienced the same thing because I look very racially ambiguous as well. And people will be like, what are you? What are you? And when I say I'm half Filipino, even from Filipino people, they'll be like, no, no, (laughs) not so much anymore. In my adult life, I guess I'm starting to look more Filipino. Filipino, but when I was growing up, people would literally like deny me of that. And I would just be like, okay, well, I have, I can pull out pictures to prove to you like who my family is. But other than that, I don't speak the language. Like I can't really prove it. So Mm -hmm. I think that that also, Mm -hmm. well, hopefully that's been able for you to use to your advantage in those kinds of instances, if anyone has given you a hard time about it.
2: Yes. What I think is that the fact that I do understand and can speak the language, I like to think of it as a bridge for Mm. connection and my name as well. Because if I didn't have my name and maybe if I didn't speak the language, maybe it would be harder for a Filipino, maybe from the Philippines to understand like what is the connection that we have? Mm -hmm. I'm from New York. I'm very Western looking. What's the connection? So I'm glad that I have that bridge, but I really don't like the idea of having to prove anything. Yeah, we shouldn't have to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but I definitely I've definitely had those thoughts. Like if anyone says anything, like I got like this ammunition or something. (laughs) And it's so silly that we have to think that way because absolutely no one has to prove themselves. Like I don't care if you have blonde hair and blue eyes. Like if you're a Filipino, you're a Filipino.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for just entertaining that question, considering how you mentioned it very often for you to run across that because you are, you know, mixed. And I kind of like how you use the word or you describe that as being invalidated, you know, however, Mm -hmm. you turn that around to focus on building connection first, you know, and I think that's like a big thing we do on the show is we're just focused on how can we build bridges from the very beginning before we can talk about our differences, you know? And so I think that just kind of stood out to me when I was hearing you talk.
2: Yes. Interestingly enough, the invalidation usually comes from white people.
0: Mm. Wow.
2: Not from other, other Filipinos will be surprised. Other Filipinos feel surprised when they find out I'm Mm -hmm. Filipino, but their reaction is kind of cute. Like they giggle about it. They think it's surprising. Mm -hmm. But my experience with non-Filipinos, particularly white, Americans is that they are the ones that very strongly invalidate me. I've had instances where usually it's a white person. So I'll just refer Mm -hmm. to the invalidator as a white person that they have an all knowing attitude. Oh, no, I went to school with a lot of Filipinos. Like, are you sure? (laughs) no trust me I know (laughs) Yeah. okay I'm not
1: entertaining that
2: (laughs) like oh I can spot Filipinos from a mile away there's an all-knowing I don't know where this all-knowing attitude yeah (laughs) I don't know where this all-knowing attitude came from Mm -hmm. it's absolutely not their place to decide what I am and what I'm not so I would say my invalidation has been a lot more from non-Filipinos
0: Wow. That's quite fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and just kind of bringing that to light. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners. I think a lot of us really overall look ambiguous. I still get mistaken, like depending on where I'm at in the world. Like if when I lived in San Diego, California, living so close to the border, I got mistaken a lot for being Hispanic, for example, or Guamanian or, you know, some kind of Islander other than Filipino. And I guess that's just going to be an ongoing conversation. And part of why I love doing the show is continuing to kind of pick up those tools or verbiage and language and posture to respond to that. Not in a way to, let's say, attack them, but to respond in a way where we can build connection at the end of the day. And it's not just about like trying to label us (laughs) in one way or the other. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, Marikit, for people who've never been to Queens, can you tell us what the vibe is like over there? The area that I'm in is also residential, but the
2: overall vibe of Queens, I would say, is that we are diverse. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Diversity here. There's a lot of families and... Yeah, at conception that people have of queens. No, I was just curious. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's, like people,
0: it's like if people ask me, Hey Jen, what's the vibe in Virginia beach? I was like, you know, it's very, at least where I live, it's very laid back. Cause it's like by the beach and we're, we tend to live around like a lot of people who are already retired and it just seems really um, chill. And there's this like Southern hospitality here and people like actually wave at you and give you eye contact compared to my life in California, where everyone like walk by and just look at their phone the entire time, even when they're crossing the street. So that's what I was sort of asked. I was like, Oh, I'm curious what it's like there. Like if I were to walk there, I mean, obviously I would have to kind of like, you know, get to know the place and stuff. But from your experience, I was curious to know like what the overall feeling and, and environment has felt like for you. And you know, part of why you've kind of been born, raised and continue to live and work there. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I think
2: it has more of a residential quiet feel. And then when you go into the city, you can have
0: like that city experience. So it's a good place to go back home to. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. Nani, any thoughts so far? No,
1: I've never been to Queens. Actually, I might have been to Queens, but I don't think I don't think I have. I've been to New York a few times, but I haven't spent a lot of time there. But it sounds similar to like where I live here in the Bay, which is just like 10 minutes from San Francisco City. So you get Mm -hmm. that same kind of like residential feel over here, more families, a little bit more spaced out, a little bit more laid back, but just, you know, 10 minutes away over the bridge, you have the city where it's a completely different vibe. And I like this side. (laughs) I like being on this side. (laughs) And I've also been like born and raised and still, you know, in my adult life, spent the majority of my time over here. So I know what it's like to just, you know, find somewhere that's comfortable for you. That feels like home. I'm sure you have, you know, your family and everyone that's there. Mm -hmm. So there's just really no reason to leave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I find that very fascinating. You know, I have lived a very transient life for the first third of my life. And the last third, I'm, I'm 33. But yeah, the first 10 years I traveled a lot just because I was a military family. And then most of my 20s, I moved like once every like less than 10 to 12 months at a time. And so when I find people such as like Nani and yourself, Marikit, who, you know, were sort of like born, raised, live and work, like where you've been this whole time. It's like, it's fascinating to me. It's like, oh, what's that like? What's that like to just like, kind of like barge into one of your like family members houses just because you can, you know, it's like me being out here in Virginia beach and, and you know, it's just my husband and my dog. It's like, you know, and having lived out here for only two years, it's still like, oh my gosh, Nani. So I got got a text from someone I met through one of my professional networking events and sporadically she's like, hey, do you have any plans this weekend? And literally that's the first time anyone's ever contacted me like that in the two (laughs) years that I lived out here. Like, you don't know like how like, crazy you know, that was that. for me. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, and she's like, what are you doing this weekend? And normally even with the friends, I already know it's like, Hey, let's, uh," cause they're all busy. They're all like business owners. They're like, Oh, let's, let's uh, look at the end of the month, you know, like four weeks yeah. from now. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, but what this- if I just wanted to get coffee or, yeah. you know, well, I exactly. guess there's not much else
1: you can do, but you know, what if I just wanted to like go get food or go have a picnic or something. That's something that I definitely, I appreciate that you keep bringing that up because Mm -hmm. I think that being here my whole life and, you know, having pretty much my whole family here, at least my immediate family around, I do take that for granted being able to see them all the time or, you know, just call them up at the drop of a dime and say, Hey, what are you doing? Let's make dinner together. Let's go get a coffee or, you know, whatever kind of things that we do these days in the pandemic but that is something that I have taken for granted and that I do appreciate you you outlining and you know at least virtually my door is always <laughs> open for you to barge in. <laughs>
0: oh thank you. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, I feel like when I saw that text I was like I made it. Like I made it. <laughs> I was yeah,
2: like you're I building
0: your community there, yeah. A little bit of time, yeah. I just need to get to the point where I'm like annoyed at someone, you know what I mean? Like, I want to get annoyed because like someone's like overstepping their boundaries. And so, yeah. anyway, that's what i I'm, when sure, I'll say I'm sure you'll get there, yes. Yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely be like, Nani, I totally made it. There's someone I'm trying to avoid right now, and I'm not going to mention their and name. Now I take probably back. listening to the show, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, I digress. Mari Kit, let's go ahead and fast forward to life today. Again, thank you for sharing a little bit about your background and everything. So, give us a snapshot of your life today what keeps you busy and excited nowadays sure
2: so before the pandemic I was an English teacher I, I mm. taught English as a second language and that's technically still my profession but things are a little delayed right now in my work mm. so what's been keeping me busy is writing and publishing my first book Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to say that I published my book. It's called Back to Dance, How I Revived My Dance and My Spirit and How You Can Too. And tomorrow it'll be a week old. So this week has been busy with lots of promoting and lots of gratitude for people supporting the book and just getting the word out of what the book is about and how people can benefit from it. Congratulations.
1: Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. That's such a like big milestone.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm curious to know, did the pandemic propel you to do it? Like maybe you were thinking about it for some time. You're like, well, I got nothing else to do. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: So a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago, I started writing just to heal myself. I just had some things I needed to write down. And then I started developing it little by little. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, I'm spending as much time as I can a day working on this. And one way or another, I will publish. I didn't know exactly how, you know, because it was my first time. But yes, that definitely propelled me to do the work.
0: Yeah. Tell us what the process was to work on your book. Like, did you just kind of keep yourself in a room for hours on an end? Or like, what was kind of that experience? Because, you know, I think about, like, my husband, for example, like, he just had a book that came out on Veterans Day in 2020. And I was in the thick of it with him, like, you know, kind of just getting the ideas out of him and then having our editor take care of it and making it actually sound like it makes sense. So I'm curious to know like what that process looked like for you. And part of why I'm asking that too is who knows, maybe we have listeners who have all the time in the world right now and they're like, I want to write a book. I might as well. So tell us a little bit about that process. Sure. Well, for me, it was a very
2: heart-centered process Mm -hmm. I just wrote to express my feelings and to heal myself. And then little by little, I just kept adding to the story. I kept going deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to heal even more. So I just kept going deeper. And somehow everything just came together into different sections. Mm -hmm. And I was able to just, yeah, take a few hours a day or however long I wanted to dedicate and just work on every single word. I really wanted every word to come from me because it's my personal story. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of reading and rereading and editing. And it was very heart centered. Like I said, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that there's a technical way to approach writing a book. But I really followed my instinct. And then Mm -hmm. I would say that Getting professional help as far as book formatting and book design is a must. I thought maybe I could watch a tutorial and do it myself, <laughs> but I can say that book formatting and book design is a totally different career. And please, <laughs> please reach out to a prof- please outsource.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So that's a little bit about my process. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, everyone has a different approach, of course. Some people just kind of write their books on their own and put it out there. And But I like how you said, like, yeah, if you're going to publish, you definitely need help on the technical side. Because even Mm -hmm. for us, like, we didn't know how to put a Scott's book onto Kindle, for example. Like, we had our editor, like, format, all that stuff. You mentioned a number of times, and let me know if you want to answer this or not. But you mentioned a number of times that you sort of used this book as a way to heal. And my question for that is, what did you need to heal from? Mm -hmm. So
2: I suffered from depression for a decade. Mm. And when I was at my worst, I ended up quitting dance. And so dance, yeah, dance has always been an important part of my life. And I was on the track to becoming a professional performer. I was part of a professional dance company, but my depression was getting just so, so bad that I ended up leaving that company and everything else in my life also fell apart. Like I lost my job, I lost my relationship. I just stopped doing everything that I enjoyed. And so there was three years that I took a hiatus from dance. And yeah, that was just a really low point for me. And I really needed to heal that particular part. Like, why did I leave? Because I would always go back in my mind and blame myself. Like, I should have tried harder. Mm. You know, why did I do that? Like all
0: this regret that I needed to heal. It mm-hmm. sounds like you sort of were maybe putting yourself down for leaving, but if you don't mind sharing with us, like, why did you decide to leave? And like, what was kind of maybe the, the catalyst or the situation or circumstance where you're like, you know, I need to leave dance for some time. Sure. Well, the
2: thing about depression was that it wasn't only affecting my mood. It was also affecting my energy level. Mm -hmm. And to be a dancer, you really need that energy. You need to have a strong body. You need to be able to commit to things. And I was having trouble getting up in the morning. So it was just becoming this impossible thing. I was not communicating myself well to my dance director. So she didn't know what was going on she probably was thinking something negative about me i couldn't open up there was just Mm -hmm. so many things going on that i just decided that i had to leave i tried to keep dancing after i left the company but my depression just kept getting worse so things just fell apart for me unfortunately
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. in one of our more recent episodes with one of Jen's high school friends, Tiffany, she was also talking about her battle with severe depression through making it through grad school and, you know, into her journey into entrepreneurship. But she was basically explaining how, you know, her depression was so bad at one point, she couldn't even make a bowl of cereal, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was difficult to get up, she was isolating herself, she wouldn't answer her family's phone calls. And it was like, just so hard to just Put one foot in front of the other and make a cup of tea or make a bowl of cereal. And even the most simple things were just like felt impossible. And so Yeah, I can only imagine what that was like trying to maintain like a professional dancing career at the same time as you're experiencing that and battling with that. And at the same time, shaming yourself for having it and kind of being Mm -hmm. in denial, it sounds like, for a long time before accepting it and just saying, okay, what am I going to do to heal? So,
0: yeah, I love that your book is kind of
1: like a culmination of all of that and, you know, the way that you were able to find yourself through that process.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. I really wanted to do whatever I could do to destigmatize depression, because I know that there is a lot of shame. I mean, it's getting better. I have to say in the United States, there's a lot more awareness. hmm. Part of the reason why I wanted to write this book was to bring awareness and to destigmatize depression in any small way that I can by being open and telling my story, and most of all, giving people hope. Mm. Right. So it's a good story because even after all that depression, when I found that desire inside of me to dance again, it totally changed my life. Mm. I got off of antidepressants. I met my now husband. I met new friends. I changed my career. Like mm-hmm. everything changed when I was able to go back to what I loved, and I I really want to give that inspiration to somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I think that's another important
1: thing to note too. Is when you're battling with depression and you just feel like you're like falling lower and lower and lower, and you know, isolating yourself from yourself. One easy thing or Seemingly easy thing, I guess, that you can work on is just getting back to the things that you love, you know, Mm -hmm. what did you love to do when you're a kid writing, drawing, dancing, you know, just the simple things in life. And so if you just, again, are able to one foot in front of the other, in those things that bring you joy, you know, a lot of times, that's what helps people out of those isolated spaces.
0: Yes, I agree. Can you tell us, Marikit, when did you start to get back into dance again? Like, when did you start to tell yourself, like, I need to get back into this? So
2: during my three-year hiatus from dance, I was working at this really miserable job. (laughs) And (laughs) I think at a certain point, everyone can relate. It's kind of like enough is enough. Everything was negative around me. And I just had this thought like, this isn't me. Like, I'm not a miserable office worker. I'm a dancer. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And (laughs) I really just felt it in my heart. Like, I even felt like, like, almost like a pain, like a yearning inside. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God, like, I really, really have to dance again. Yeah. And yeah. So luckily, I came across a life coach who supported me in that process of, of
0: returning to dance. Wow. That's beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that because sometimes we do need, I mean, oftentimes, we do need professional help to help us get out of Mm -hmm. our funk of some sort, you know, and so that's really cool. And I mean, I've definitely benefited from life coaching, Mm -hmm. also therapy, currently in therapy, (laughs) and having Mm -hmm. something such as, you know, the Filipino American Woman Project got revived in summer 2019, because of my depression. Um, I was Mm -hmm. new out here on the East Coast, and we moved a second time already, we were in Richmond, Virginia for seven months, and then we moved to Virginia Beach. And I just kind of fell into this deep depression of like, man, when am I going to make friends? Like I left everything behind in San Diego, my friends, my family, my business, like everything, like, when am I going to have that out here? And fortunately I stumbled across podcasting and now the beauty of it is like, wherever I go, I can take it with me. And it's very th- therapeutic. And so just like how, you know, dance is sort of your therapy in a way or very therapeutic for you. Like I have found that in podcasting and now I feel accountable <laughs> for showing up despite how I feel because we're a weekly show now. So uh, I got no choice but to show up. (laughs) But I have no regrets. I'm happy to be here. But yeah, thank you for sharing that, Marie Kit. I definitely don't want to like pull away from the book. I don't want to keep revealing more and more and more about the book and that people don't read it. Although I think they're more enticed now to want to read it. Is there anything else about the book that you want our listeners to know?
2: Yes. So I do share my personal story in there. And I do break down the 10 steps that I took to go from not dancing at all to dancing again regularly and in a fulfilling way, because Mm -hmm. even though we really want to do something, sometimes it's not that simple. Like Mm -hmm. you can't just turn on the music and start dancing. Sometimes you need like some sort of process to incorporate into your life so I that's also included in the book. And the most important part is that there's a journal in the back of the book where I have different prompts and questions that people can answer and action steps that they can do so that they can take action in their own lives and go back to whatever their passion is. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to provide some action steps for the readers as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to kind of be told what to do or to be inspired to change, but it's definitely beneficial when you say, okay, well, now that you know, you want to do that, here's the steps, do it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so it sounds like a pretty uh, all encompassing book that, you know, ties in your story and also shows people like how they can, you know, let's say dance their way out of depression (laughs) yes, to say the least. Nani, any thoughts? Uh, no, I think you just said what I was thinking. And
1: basically, <laughs> I, I know that, you know, when you read books, most times you're inspired by other people's stories. But then at the end, you're like, okay, how am I going to relate this back to my process? How am I going to mm-hmm. incorporate this into my next step? So that is, I think, an important point for you to include in your book that probably really sets it apart from other self-help books or books about other people's stories of going through their experiences with depression.
0: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that reminds me of, you know, my husband and I, we just established a new system in our business. And it's like very good for us. But we're also very like, I don't want to do it yet kind of attitude. And so I was telling him, I was like, you know, we need a come up with a process, like a way to warm up to it. Cause obviously it's good for us. Obviously it'll help our business, but if we're like so intimidated by it, that, let's like address those feelings and find a way to work through that so that we can actually use the system. And so that's sort of what reminded me of what you were sharing is like, you know, sometimes you have to work your way toward, you know, doing something that, you know, will help you because you might not just want to jump into it right away. Like you have, mm-hmm. like, sometimes you do have to work toward it. And that's what I got from what you shared.
2: Yes, exactly. And you t- you have to take steps. You need some support. It might
0: not happen just right away. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I feel like we like sped through all the questions. That's amazing. So for the last question that we have to share here, Marikit is Mm -hmm. for our show, we always like to wrap up with a life lesson. And so I have here in the notes, let me go ahead and just read it a little briefly. You wanted to share today. The life lesson is when we get in touch with our true selves through dance or whichever craft we are passionate about, so much can open up for us and change for the better in our lives. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about that life lesson you want to share and where does that come from? from for you? What part of your life kind of, you know, inspired you to have that life lesson? Sure. So when I started to dance again, after that three year
2: hiatus, and in the midst of depression, a lot of things started to open up for me, I started to feel a lot braver and more open to new things. So that miserable office job that I spoke about, I ended up switching careers, I was brave enough to become a teacher, which was something that I thought about before, Mm -hmm. but I steered off course. So I did that. And another thing I did was, I went to a Filipino meetup group. Are meetups popular uh, in other states? I don't really know. Like the website, meetup.com. Um, I've
1: been on there before, but I've never actually like done, done one. I But I remember poking around on that website back in yeah. like a few years ago.
0: Yeah, in my young twenties when I started uh, networking and all that stuff, like I was all about Meetup.com. Like it was just it was on my phone. I used it all the time. I had the notifications oh, cool. pop up, and I I had to thank it. I had to give credit to Facebook events because I think like there was one time someone linked like a Meetup you know RSVP on Meetup.com, and then that's when I found everything else. And I was like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is happening here in my neighborhood. I had no idea. But yes, long answer. Yes, we've heard of it.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Because I
0: didn't know that
2: it existed until my coach recommended it. Mm. And so I ended up going to a Filipino meetup, which was something brave for me to do. Because as I've mentioned, although I've been like in the Filipino community, I often feel kind of hesitant to join in for the fear that I'll stick out like a sore thumb. Mm. But dancing again, just like made me brave. I was like, you know what? I'm ready to make new friends. I'm ready to go to this event and and see what happens. And so I met two of my very good friends that night and who knew that I would end up meeting my future husband that night? Wow. Because of dance, like because of dance, because dance made me just a little bit braver to to go outside of my comfort zone. So, yeah, the career, the relationships really improved a lot. And now I was able to be brave enough to write a book and put my vulnerable story out there and be on this podcast and talk to you, Jen and Nani, and everyone listening. It's just an incredible experience for me. And yeah, I really hope that anyone who's longing to do something will at least consider going back to what they love because it will absolutely affect your life in many ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that so much.
2: Nani, any
1: thoughts? No, I think that was beautifully said. Um. Yeah. Yeah, no, mic drop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, uh, yeah, that actually, that reminds me of a good friend of mine, who I will not mention her name, but she's great. And she, you know, in the, in the, pan, in the middle of the pandemic, her and her husband decided to get a divorce. And she ended up going back to what she loved, which was also dance, like she was a competitive dancer herself. And You know, fast forward to today, she met her now boyfriend there and they go rollerblading for fun, which is what I really, I so badly want to do. Like, I have my protective gear and my helmet and I just need my rollerblades and then I'm like set to go and I'm gonna like rollerblade with my dog. But she just lives this very active life now. Like, she looks really healthy. She's like lost a lot of weight as a result of all of that. And, Like every time I talk to her, I feel like I'm the one with problems now. I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) like I used to be there, like being there for her. And uh, now she's just so like she just has like this vibrant, you know, happy, amazing energy that she exudes that I tend to pull inspiration from, you know. And so when you share your story, it reminds me so much of my friend as well, who has made like such a dramatic change in the middle of the pandemic. So thank you so much for sharing that market.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how your life can start manifesting into everything that you've always wanted once you just start listening to yourself, you know, and like honoring your own process instead of trying to force yourself into all these boxes that like society or family or whatever other environments that you're a part of are trying to push you into. When you just get back to yourself and really honor your own process, it feels like, you know, even in my own life, I can think of many examples of that too. And it's beautiful to see that, you know, that's the case for everybody, you know, just stick to what you, what you truly know and what you truly want.
0: Yeah. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of, I was talking to someone sometime, I mean, I guess I've been talking to a lot of people, so that's why I can't remember who this was, but (laughs) I remember I had this conversation of like something along the lines of like, we spend our whole lives, like trying to get back to our childhood or trying Mm -hmm. to be like our inner child, Mm -hmm. trying to pursue that again. And so, Marikit, I just want to applaud you, you know, for your own a lot of the inner work you did for yourself to show up who you are today and to be able to come and be on our show. Well, after you've networked and made some good connections already and share your book with us. Like, I'm sure people will be really excited to learn more about it and connect with you. Speaking of which, if people do want to get a hold of you and this will be provided in the show notes, but let us know here, how can they get a hold of you? Well, first of all, thanks a lot for that acknowledgement. And I'm
2: I'm so happy to be here. You can find me at Marikit Dance. That's the best place to get a hold of me. I'm also on TikTok if you're into TikTok.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can you tell us I mean, I feel like TikTok is like a dancer's app. Like if you don't know how to dance. <laughs> Like I'm just like, I what created it. <laughs> I, I created an account like one day and I think I got like a number of followers and it was like supposedly really exciting. But then I just, I just didn't know what to post. I was posting pictures of my dog or like little videos of my dog. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to, I already have an Instagram for him. Like I don't need to <laughs> you know, create a whole nother account for him, but like, how have you enjoyed using TikTok? I'm just curious to know from your end. Yeah. I started using it in the summer
2: to make fun and cool dance videos, because Mm. you can do like nice edits and music on there. Mm -hmm. And but what I really discovered is that there's so much going on on TikTok, there's political TikTok. Mm. I follow a lot of like Filipino creators and TikToks about racial identity. So there's really a lot going on there. If you're not That into dancing or not that comfortable with it, you can still find a community on TikTok. It's pretty fascinating. You can kind of get lost in there.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think in the beginning when TikTok was first like becoming really popular, I was under the impression that it was like for people like my niece's age, you know, like 10 Mm -hmm. to 14 or whatever. And there was just a bunch of kids on there. And nowadays it's like I have my aunties and my dad and all the older people in my family sending me TikTok videos all day. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you guys doing on TikTok? But there is a lot of interesting stuff. They do send me like the most random videos. And I'm like, oh, maybe
0: I should get on here. Yeah. I always feel like it's the youngins. Like, you know, we're like older millennials now, Nani, right? And it's like, it's yeah. the youngins. I always like adapt like the new social media apps. And, you know, right now, because I'm a podcaster and I talk to a lot of other podcasters, they always ask me, are you on Clubhouse? Like, have you heard of Clubhouse? And I'm just and like, another one. <laughs> I can't keep
1: up. I'm already (laughs) overwhelmed with just Instagram.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that's a conversation for another time. So once again, you can find Marikit on Instagram, which is Marikit dance and also on TikTok and YouTube. I see here in the notes as well. Marikit, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Thank you so much for, you know, stepping up to the plate, you know, to join us and Mm -hmm. share your story and just have a good conversation with us today. We've really appreciated it. Yes, thank thank you, you
2: so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Jen and Nani, and for the opportunity.
0: Yes, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Awesome. And again, to our listeners, thank you all so much for joining us. If this conversation resonated with you in any way, remember, you can shoot us a text message at 415-484-8329, or you can check out our website at tfawproject.com. That's Project.com. <laughs> I guess that's it. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we will chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye.